Now, the greatest idea of all time. Stay tuned for... From the Trenches of Hollywood. Here are your guru guides from the A-list to the D and everything in between. It's Ted and Craig. Welcome to From the Trenches of Hollywood. I am Ted Davies. Hey, everybody. It's Craig. Good to be back with you. Uh, great show today, as we talked about last week, last time. Uh, really excited to have our guest here today. Right, Dave? Uh, Ted? Ooh, I almost gave it away, right? You know who it is. It's uh, it's David Putnam's here, so I'm not going to hide the secret. Um, we're going to bring him on in just a couple of moments here. Um, but couple of pieces of business we need to take care of before we get too far um we did uh, get a couple of questions come in um Absolutely. i guess from the last show uh where we have just now started the process the process begins mm -hmm. and uh, everyone's been uh, scribbling down their ideas their uh, their outlines right the outline that was the big thing i got a question though it came in anonymous someone said um it's a little ahead of where we are, but they, 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 they said, when do you know that your outline is complete? Mm, and when question. do you know, when do you call it a first draft? So let's, I'll break that into two sections. Well, mm. The outline is really, it could go on forever, but you're going to finish it because you have a resolution. And when you hit that resolution, it, the, you've hit the end of the outline. I mean, really, mm -hmm. you know, let's keep it simple. You can keep adding and lay, adding layer and layer and layer. But as we talked about before in the screenwriting side of it, uh, each um, piece of the outline is basically a scene or it could be multiple layered scenes. And you just layer and layer and layer and layer. So, look, don't get caught up in that, uh, the idea of this unbelievably complete outline i don't want to read your outline i want to read your script so right. it's a tool to get to that next step uh, when do you call the first draft the first draft well that again what an ambiguous question yeah I, I, when the second draft is done i don't know i mean that's uh, you know that's probably it okay but. so one key thing that we want to help people on and with this show is to get through that first draft. So I get why they're asking, when is when is it the first draft? Well, it's when you get to the end of that first draft and you get to the end when you feel like that you've got everything on paper to create that basic structure where you've, you've taken that outline, given it a little bit of, uh, of a color, a little bit of pizzazz. You've really painted the picture a bit. Uh, you've got all your key elements in. You have created this uh, skeleton that you're going to build the rest of the 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 piece on um but man that is a great question quite honestly yeah uh, it's um, a little open-ended but i think that it's sound i mean i want when you're, you know when you're looking at it from a standpoint of us after we've gotten things done and we've done things when we were back then yeah i guess that would be kind of I, I, that's a very good question. I, I want I want to ask David about that. I wonder how yeah. many drafts he does of of, uh, uh, of one of his novels. So, uh, let's see. Did you have a? a I have one more question here, and and then I want to get to David. I don't want to, yeah, to linger on. We were we were talking about log lines, um, mm -hmm. and I got another question, and no name on this one. This was uh, asking. Actually, they're saying I am a log I'm a log line person. I like to decide if. I want to pursue the project further. I get that. See, I, I wasn't saying that uh, 
as in fact, I was saying that there are the log line people and that's what the, how they start their, their process. They create that, they decide if it's worthy to move on. And I get yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but personally, that's not my first step. Right. And so that was where I differed with a lot of people. As I mentioned, there were several books we talked about where that was mm-hmm. with screenwriting, where, you know, create that log line, create that log line, even screenwriting classes where they're like, create the log line, create the log line. And I think that's a great shortcut to some development, but uh, I don't know. I'm just old school. I'm, uh, I think you uh, need that's... to find your pro you need to find your process. I think those are great suggestions, but yeah. I think you you know you know though how important the log line is, but it, it, it exactly. I mean, it's a tool like I said you I use later on for sure. It's very important, mm-hmm. but it's not the first step for me. Now you know, like I said, there are people, and a lot of those people go into what advertising. You know, sure. I mean, seriously, they're <laughs> sure. able to craft something amazing, some to motivates or inspires mm-hmm. in a couple of sentences without having really anything to base it on, other than just some their visuals, you know, their ideas. Cause right. it's, uh, see, I've got to have a little bit more. Um, I might have the ideas, uh, and the outline and I might not have the full script before I create a log line, but it's definitely not the first thing I do. I'd love to hear what Dave does with his process. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm sure he's got just a, a wealth of knowledge. <clears throat> I think we need to bring them out. Let's no, no more delaying this. Uh, folks, we were talking about this last week. So happy to have him here. A best-selling novelist, David Putnam is with us. The author of a series of books, what, nine, nine, now almost, we ninth almost book nine. coming out. Um, here he is, folks. Thanks for joining us, David. Welcome. Thank you for having me here. I really appreciate it. So, our, folks, our pleasure. Uh, I think that really... People, um, what I love about David is he's going to tell us right now a little bit about his background. Uh, you know, he's like I said, he's got nine novels out now with the Bruno Johnson series, and you weren't always a writer. Tell us a little bit about your background. Well, I think I always wanted to be a writer in high school. Actually, in junior high school, I wrote a, a novel with. Um, cowboys and monoliths and desert and that kind of things when I was just a kid. Uh, I didn't finish it, but uh, in high school, I tried writing two novels. But then uh, I joined an ROP class, a regional occupational program in law enforcement. And I uh, became enamored with law enforcement and um, I lost track of of the writing. Um, I was always an avid reader. I read everything. I started at um, fifth grade, you know, with um, The Hobbit and uh, uh, Treasure Island, those kind of books, and I never stopped reading. Uh, so I got into law enforcement, really, really enjoyed it. Um, I probably would have been doing it if they hadn't paid me because I was having so much fun. Uh, they, were paying me for, they were paying me to play cops and robbers, basically. Um, I worked narcotics, street level, um, mid-level uh, majors. Um, I did uh, two tours on a SWAT team. I was cross-sworn as a U.S. Marshal and uh, chased murder suspects across three states. They followed bank robbers around until they um, would rob a bank and we'd take them down coming out of the bank. Uh, at one point during the surveillance, I actually went into a bar and sat next to a bank robber. He didn't know that I was a, a cop. I had a truck driver uh, shirt on and denims and a, and a hat. and talked to him and drank a beer with him. And then two weeks later, we caught him coming out of the bank with a gun in the back of money in his hand. 
Um, so that, that's kind of my background and brief. Um, I was working narcotics and um, we were on a surveillance of a meth lab out in the Mojave Desert. And uh, I keep, uh, I kept novels in my back seat because during, it's not like in the, in the movies where everything happens immediately. You know, in real life, um, you set up on a place and you got to have four or five, six cars, not just one guy following one crook. It doesn't work that way because he'll burn you. So we have one guy on the eye and then the rest of the team lays off. I, um, I would read my novels in the back seat. Some guys had plug-in televisions. Some guys played softball, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> they were paying me to play, to play cops and robbers and read novels. I mean, what, what better job Great. could I have? Mm -hmm. So I was down to my last novel. It was a sophomore effort of a guy who had an international bestseller, his first book. And what so often happens is uh, an author will work 10, 15 years on a novel, keep polishing and working and polishing and working it. Then when it comes out, he only has one year to write the next book. Yeah. And, and it's not, it doesn't reach the level of the first one, sure. unfortunately. So I, I, had, I, I had not known that at the time. So I picked this book up and start reading it. And it is a dog. It is a <laughs> But I'm a, I'm a captive audience and I'm stuck reading it. So I read the whole thing and I think, well, I could do better than this. So um, from that point on, I started writing my first novel. I wrote four novels on the front seat of my undercover car on four legal pads each. That's awesome. That's um, awesome. Uh, yeah. And I had no idea what I was doing. Um, in fact, it was, it was so amateurish thinking back on it. Uh, I couldn't type. I didn't know how to type. So I paid a woman to um, type it into a the big floppy, not the hard floppy. Sure. Not the, sure. It was sure. a big floppy disk. <laughs> and then I printed it up and took it to some writers' conferences and um, met some people, and that's what started me off. Um, I continued to work as a law enforcement officer, uh, chasing crooks, but I would get up at uh, 4 o'clock every morning, and I would write till 7 in the morning. I did three hours a day, and um, I did that continuously because it, I wanted to get published, but man, I just loved telling stories. I loved writing. Um, then uh, I, I, I was um, a supervisor in Fontana as a sergeant, and they uh, kept asking me to go to internal affairs because they wanted to promote me one more level. And I kept telling them no. And finally, the undersheriff called the captain and said, I want him down here. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll go. And I did <laughs> one year in internal affairs, and I hated it. So I was um, <laughs> I was on my desk. And, uh, that internal affairs thing is a whole other story for one year. It's just an amazing experience. Uh, I, I was at my desk and I decided to look around. My wife was from Hawaii. She wanted to go back. So I applied to Hawaii 5 They took my application, asked me for an interview. I flew out there, did an extensive interview. Um, they hired me. Um, we left. I did uh, 28 years in Southern California law enforcement. At 50, I retired with my full pension and then went to Hawaii and worked as a Hawaii 5 special agent for the state of Hawaii. And that was another awesome. really different experience because their their idea of law enforcement is totally different than sure. in California. Um, had a good time. They flew me to all the islands for investigations. I did some major um, real estate fraud investigations and we had a, we had a good time, but um, the weather just kind of ground me down. 
I mean, the humidity just yeah. come from Southern California. I mean, weather, uh-huh. you can't beat the weather in Southern California. It's the best. No. Nope. So um, we came back here. Well, while I was there, and, and the workload was a little different in Hawaii. They had this kind of laid back attitude. And I was, I was always pushing hard, doing things. And um, I was still carrying the majority of the cases uh, and just writing them up and getting them, turning them in. But I still had time on my hands. So I sat at my um, desk writing the first novel in the Bruno Johnson series. I didn't know it was the first novel. In okay, did you know how to type at that point? Oh, yeah, I had taught myself. <laughs> okay. um, but while I was writing it, that's when the, um, the new Hawaii Five-O came out. And they were yeah. filming the series right outside our door. And sometimes mm. they'd be having a shootout. Uh. And I'm talking to a witness or something. And they're asking me what's going on. Or I'd come to work <laughs> and the fake Hawaii 5 car is parked in my slot. <laughs> so, it, it, was, it was fun. Um, I had, throughout this, in this, this time period, I had four agents. Two were great and two were not so great. I had one agent for 15 years. Um, and I was on my 38th manuscript when I sold my first book. I had written 38 novels wow. and I sold my first book. Um, I, uh, and I did that, I tried writing young adult, I tried writing fantasy, science fiction. I, I did a little, a little bit of everything because I loved just the story uh, um, product. Um, so <laughs> the way it turned out is my wife was in um, Toast, Toastmasters. And she met this woman who's very vivacious, very outgoing, and they talked, and they, she knew that I was a writer. And uh, this woman named Karen, she went skin diving in Bora Bora. And it happened that the owners of the publishing company were skin diving on that boat. So wow. they said, oh, you need to try this, guys. you gotta, you got to read this guy's books. So we get home, and there's a voice, voicemail on our telephone, and we, we hear it. And, and this has happened a number of times before. But I said, yeah. So I'm thinking, I'm, I'm right number three. I was writing number 38, and I thought, what am I going to send them? So I sent number 36. That was the 36th book that I wrote. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. That's good. Yeah. Um, that kind of goes back to that point you made earlier about the uh, sophomore effort from the yeah. other author. Yeah. How you know you were at, at novel 36, you had definitely been goal. sharpening your skills. And right. now had, had that book been one that maybe you had worked on more or developed more or was that it had the other 35 led up to 36 that's why you chose it or or what what made you choose that well i I don't know i I don't remember what book i was on because as soon as they bought the book i stopped writing uh, and and started (laughs) the next book in the series Mm -hmm. Uh, but i do so were the other, did the other 35, were, were Bruno, was he always a character in these? Or would that, is that where he this was introduced? First, in? This is the first time he was introduced. Is, wow. Okay. Okay. The 36th yeah. book. The other All two, right. the 37 and 38, they were different, different stories. Hmm. But uh, what I, what I shift, I, I changed in 36 was I shifted from a mystery construction to a thriller construction. Mm. And I, I shortened my conflict. Um, I was always told that you know it's that there are four C's of writing: conflict, complication, crisis, conclusion. Yeah. And I thought that it was a pyramid, and the conflict had to be the base and it had to be wide. But once I shortened my conflict and I shifted to a thriller uh, structure, that's when I started selling books. And yeah, that's probably did, did. Did it get easier to write then too? Because you there's less content or in the structure or? No, it's not less content. It's it's about mm-hmm. the same. The mystery structure is um, 
there's two different definitions. And my, my, the, the structure of definition for me is there's in a mystery, there is um, 25 to 35 chapters. And each chapter has an odd number of scenes, uh, three, five, or seven. And um, uh, a thriller is 65 to 75 chapters. And each chapter is a scene. And there's five things that need to go into a, a, a chapter or into a scene to make it work. So even though I shifted from the physical structure, I was still working just as hard putting those five things in those scenes to make, to make it work. Um, Interesting. Then um, I immediately started writing um, the replacements. Um, mm-hmm. and they, they, they liked it a lot and they picked it up right away. Um, then I started writing the third book which was the squandered and uh, they, they, the book comes out in February. And so I have to get it done by October, about October. And they rejected squandered in, in November. So mm-hmm. I had to, I had uh, November to February to write the third book. And I wrote, I wrote the third book and, and we submitted it. What happened was I, I put a, a, a snapshot of each of a, of a part of my career in each book. And in the squandered, I didn't. I wanted to put the most evil guy I ever dealt with, and this guy was the worst man that I'd ever met and dealt with. His name was James Lawless. That's still his name. Um, he had committed murder, got twelve, um, uh, twelve, no, twenty-five to life. Did twelve years and got out. Um, he did another murder when he got out. Did twenty-five to life. Did twelve years and got out. So wow. the third time they figured that he was a, a, a danger to society. So they put the violent crime team that I was on to follow him around. And this guy was tattooed from his neck all the way down to his toes. He had a um, tattoo of a ram on his pelvic area and each does a horn on his hips. And the, the snout of the, the ram was his penis. It was tattooed all the way down. <laughs> so I put this guy in the book. And whole, whole nother level of human being. Yeah. Right oh, there. whole nother level of evil, this guy. So, um, and then there's a lot of story, a lot of story of this one too, but I'm, I got to cut it short. Um, so um, I put this guy in the book. And when you're writing a hero, you can't make him too good because he turns into a caricature. So you got to give a hero flaws. Same thing with the bad guy. You have to give the bad guy flaws, but it's reversed for the bad guy. So what happened was I made this guy so bad that I thought, oh, I better give him some just a touch of humanity. And I overdo, I overdosed the humanity because I tried to kill him off in book three. Mm. And, and the publisher goes, no, you can't kill off Drago. We like Drago. <laughs> so I had to, I had to rewrite book three and, and wow. resurrect Drago and put him back in the book. And now I'm dragging Drago through all the Bruno books, but I really redeemed him quite a bit because uh, otherwise yeah. I didn't like him. I didn't want to write about him. Sure. It was a fit. Was it therapeutic at all to get rid of? You know, uh, <laughs> no. Um, I started having health issues. I don't know if anybody wants to hear that, but I, I was perfectly healthy. I, you know, I always ran, lifted weights, and I started having these heart palpitations and an SVT where my heart would take off running. I had the paramedics come out and restart my heart and all that stuff. Mm. And I went to a, a psychologist, and they gave me Lexapro, and it all went away. And, it, yeah. and they, they diagnosed me with um, PS, PTSD. Yeah, right. Which right. I don't have a conscious. I don't. I don't feel like I have PTSD, but apparently my body does. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so where is it going with that? Um, 
well your experiences are obviously the the driving force in these books and the characters um i mean you it, don't have to write fiction i mean you can do a, bi a biography yeah. you know? I mean, this is great well, well that right. that's that's odd because i i did try to write an, a memoir um and i couldn't i couldn't get the the story arc to work because a memoir it, it's more it's difficult for me to write up especially write about myself so i wrote I wrote it three times, and the third time I decided I was going to have half memoir, half fiction. I wrote it, sent it around with his agent, um, and last week a uh, publisher picked it up and gave me a three-book deal on a second series with a wow. guy that's after. So the first book is called um, Fearsome Moonlight Black, and it's uh, my first starting out as a day one as a, as a cop. Wow. Okay, so it's still kind of in the same genre then, but oh, yeah. uh, they call them police procedurals. Yeah. So I was going to ask you that if have you have you attempted any other genres than uh, the the thriller, or as you said earlier, you were you were working in more of the uh, the mystery yeah, and I, moved to the thriller. I do. I write uh, two and a half books a year. I write a thousand words every day, no matter what. I get up and I do a thousand words. Usually, it's close to fifteen hundred. I um, I start back 20 pages and I edit forward because I want, I don't, when you sit down to write, you have, you're in an emotional spot. You don't know if it's elation or if it's depressed. You don't want that to come through in the writing. So I go back and get that cadence, the tone, everything working as I work forward. So then I get to the, where I ended and I write four more pages. So every day, every, I'm going back 20 pages. So I'm rewriting everything four times. So I only do one draft. When I get done, I'm done. When I get to the end of the book, I'm done. That is a great uh, tip for folks. Your process, honestly, right there. I think that you make a good point there that uh, when you do go back to start, um, too many people find themselves going back to page one. Yes. And and rehashing everything before they add another page or another word. And I think it's important to get caught up, you know, where, where I left off. Um, mm -hmm. But 20 pages. So you go back 20 pages. And, okay. Well, you know, if you're just starting out, um, voice is, is the key. Voice is the everything of writing. And sometimes um, what I've found is, um, especially because I've been in a number of writers group, we're in one right now. We have one going, we have two going. Um, new authors are still feeling out the character. So my advice to a new author is to write the book all the way through because you will know the character at the end. Don't stop and rewrite because you're still learning your character. Yes. The voice is everything. And then go back and pick up that voice that. because you'll know the character and you'll know where it wants to go. Some authors I've talked to, and this is kind of crazy, but it really works, is they write that first draft and they put it in a drawer and don't look at it again. And they write the second draft from memory because they've learned the characters, they learned the story arc, and it turns out to be a much better book. But it's kind of gutsy to you know, to put that kind of work away into a drawer and not, and not keep it again. So I got two questions on that. One was, we were talking earlier, we got a question um, from a listener about, because we're starting the process. And I, I totally agree. I think getting through all the way through that first draft, um, getting to the end, not only are you, you're, you're learning as you go, but it also, what a motivator to get back on it 
and get that oh, second yeah. draft going when yeah. you know that you you can do it you know you've gotten to the end now it's now your wheels are really turning to get to, to up the ante right. but the question was this how do you know that it's that you've made it to the end of the first draft what is it, what rubber stamps the end of the first draft it's a really ambiguous question i think it's a good question uh as a screenwriter for me it's I, I'm so regimented in scenes and I know what my, I know my conclusion. I know where it's going to end always when I, right. when I start to put the, the, the words on the page, how about you? Uh, how do you know? Well, um, you know, if you're starting out, your book shouldn't be more than 75 to 75,000, 70 to 75,000 words. My mm -hmm. books are going about a hundred to 105,000 now because I'm, I'm a, I have a fan base. Um, I follow I followed strict um, structure. So there's five things a scene needs. There are the four C's of writing. Um, mm -hmm. And I write in Microsoft Word and I start writing the novel. And as I get an idea, I drop down, and I put notes down at the bottom of this. Of the so it's, a, it's a living, it's a living uh, uh, document. Mm -hmm. Then as I list a name, I drop down below those notes and I list the name. Um, so what happens is I want the novels to be as tight as I can. I never want to use, I don't, I don't want to keep putting new characters in. So I jump back up and I, I pick up a character I've already used and it forces me to make the manuscript tighter. Um, and because I write conflict, so at the bottom of that, I write a one-line sentence of each chapter. So Bruno introduces the such and such, right? And I, I list the page count. So I'm always very aware of my word count and my page count. Oh, that's excellent. And then, and then so um, as I go, I have a, a snapshot description of my novel. I can see my novel in chapters just mm -hmm. with one line. So I can I have a feel for how the novel's going. So when I hit the conflict, when I in the conflict, I actually put in the conflict, start a complication on that diagram, right? So um, I know that I'm in the middle of the complication and and uh, the middle of complication is the most difficult part of the book because it's it's the wallow of the book, and it's hard mm -hmm. to d dig out of. But um, <laughs> since I'm writing, um, I started doing scene sequencing too, and that helps me a lot with with um, getting through that wallow. So when I get when I get to the end of the, co the complication and I enter the crisis, uh, the crisis can't be very long, so I know that I'm coming to the end of the book. And when the crisis ends, that's the end of the book. So if I follow my structure, the book actually tells me when it's time, when it's over. So do you write then like a stream of consciousness format when you're when you're writing like this? I know you start out, I've heard this on other interviews with you. Um, you start out with incident. Uh, that's your- I used to you start out with, with the most uh, emotional scene that I can mm -hmm. think of. So I have an idea for a book. I don't actually start at the beginning of the book. I will start the most emotional scene because I don't know what's going to happen in a book. That's what I like writing. Um, I don't. I don't do an outline at all. No outline. Um, so I write this scene and I put everything I can think of, every minor uh, micro conflict and everything I can. And sometimes um, I've written as many as eleven pages to the front of it because there's mar motivation, action, reaction. I have to motivate that scene. So sometimes it takes eleven chapters to motivate what I wrote initially. Right now, I've changed up, and it's easier for me. I, I start with um, three, two plot lines and a theme, and I do a three, a three scene sequence on one plot line, and it's always touching my theme. And then I jump tracks, and I do a three um, scene sequence, and I jump back and forth across that, that um, spine of my book, and so um, it makes it easier.
Wow. So this, wow. these, these theme, the theme and uh, these uh, ideas though, are these just coming straight from free writing the idea uh, since you don't outline or have you at least created uh, that kind of framework before you began? Um, no. So the, um, the, the book I'm working on right now, let's see. See, I, see I'm, like, I'm working on three books at once. <laughs> book nine's coming out, but the publisher has already bought the score, which is book 10, and they're reading book 11 right now, and I'm just finishing book 12. So I started to think about, okay, what book am I on there at this time? <laughs> um, so the, the Sinister is, is a story about kidnapping. And so I know that there's going to be a kidnapping involved. And at the same time, um, Bruno's father is having an issue. Um, and that's my second plot line, right? Mm -hmm. So I have two. Um, Bruno just has a kid and he loses his bravado. He loses his macho mojo. Mm -hmm. he, he can't work as well on the street because now he has a responsibility of his own his own son to deal with. So that's the kind of the theme that, that, that I'm going with. And so I have those two plot lines. So and when I'm writing the first three sequences in, in the, the, the kidnapping plot line, I have to layer in the, the, the father plot line. So it gives my it gives my uh, story more depth. A lot of people, when they're first writing a book, they have a singular singular plot line and they're following it, and that is fine. But the readers read. Um, uh, you see, you have to number one thing you got to do is create the fictive dream for the reader. You want to put the reader in the fictive dream and hold them there. You don't want any speed bumps. And if there is a speed bump and you have a singular plot line, you have a better chance of knocking that reader out of your story. So the more micro complex you can put in, uh, if you have dual if a dual um, plot line, then you're jumping back and forth. You're keeping the reader's attention uh, closely. And, and the reader nowadays, they want immediate gratification. That's why I think the filler structure works better. Yes. I can understand yeah. that. <clears throat> we, we just had that conversation um, about films and, and screenwriting and how you know, most of the time you go to see a movie, especially in, in, in just about all genres, you're opening with some big something, uh, whether it's an explosion, a car chase, uh, a death, a something. Uh, but yes, and we even if we made that same comment to uh, last week as well, you had mentioned how you don't always start at the beginning, you start with what that conflict or uh, uh, moment is. And um, that's great. And I love that. That's great advice. Um, and because a lot of people are, are worried about starting on page one. And it's not always where you start. You don't always start no. at page one. But the right? main goal is to get the work, get the book done. Doesn't matter. Just start it and, and write, write every day, write four pages a day and just keep moving. Don't yes. Yeah, yes. Good. I, I start a novel too that um, you have to endear the reader to the character, to the to the book, to the character right away. That's the number mm -hmm. one thing. You have to endear the reader to the character. And your first chapter is your contract with that reader. So a lot of people, a lot of editors and agents say you have six pages to catch me. You have six pages to show the voice, to, to endear the reader, and to set the and to set the, the contract. That's, that's the gold right there. That's gold. Yes. That's yes. Important. Six pages. We just mentioned that last week as well. We were talking mm -hmm. about logline and how what a sales tool it is in the film industry for me. And if I can hook them with a logline, then I've got to hook them within the first 10 pages of the script or 
they're not going to finish it. And I worked even as a reader in the past. And that was the thing. There are too many scripts to read. You've got, I've got to be hooked right away. So you're saying in the first six pages. Right. So there it is, everybody. Um, you know, the, as we said, so many of these things, they translate across the board from different uh, forms of, of, of writing, uh, whatever medium you're, you're in, uh, whether it's a screenplay or a novel or a comic book. Comic book, a, yeah. Yep. So that and, is great stuff. And a log line is important for, for an author because you, that's how you hook your, um, your agent. Yeah. And I've got all my agents at, at um, conferences and I would ambush them. I would I would research them, and I would wait till I wait in the lobby while they're walking across the lobby to you know go back to the room. And I would walk up and I would I would hit them with my logline. And so the logline for Bruno Johnson is Bruno Johnson's an ex-cop, ex-con who rescues children from toxic homes in South Central Los Angeles. He couldn't do it uh, when he was a cop because there's too many rules and regulations. Now he goes outside the law to rescue the children, and that's that just sums up Bruno. As, as concise as I could get it. Hook, line, and sinker right there. So the, the thing we did discussed on that real quick is you, I guess you've answered this. You don't create a log line first. No. You're obviously free writing. I don't know what's going to happen in a book yet. So yeah, exactly. Right. See, I'm not that kind of person either. And there's been, you know, some folks are, that's their thing. They create that log line and decide where they're going to go from there because they've got some sort of right. conflict or idea that specific. Um, so there you go, everyone. Um, Another, Another not process. log line first. Um, there you go. I do have a couple questions real quick from uh, the, I think you've answered almost all of yeah, them. Though, before we get out of here, we're out of time. This has been mm -hmm. great. Uh, the one I had was, okay, Pam in Tucson, she just wanted to know, where do you get character names? I love Bruno. So <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of embarrassing. Uh, Bruno was the name of my best friend's girlfriend's dog. And, uh, <laughs> That's cool. And her last name was Johnson. So, okay, cool. There you go. Done. So, I like it. Great. you know, I've been reading something and it, it, it says, and I, I, I kind of uh, go along with it now, is your, your name should have three, um, what call it, um, three syllables? Three syllables. Three syllable names, huh? Three syllable names. So it's, it's better. It's, and I got that from a guy that I'm reading this book and it's just a dynamite how to write how to write a book. And I, I, I like this guy a lot. So I, I trust him. All right. Okay. Another making rule of the, thumb. Making the note. Yeah. Making the note. Yeah. And I like how you keep your running list as well of your character names in the notes below. It's so important. Yeah. You know, as a screenwriter, sometimes slash producer, you look at that as, um, how many actors am I going to have to hire for this? Can I get this guy to do this scene as well for the same day? <laughs> and That's and, and I, I, uh, I send that, I send, the, the, the diagram of the chapters and the names and every, my notes and everything to the publisher. And they, they started asking for it because they, they can see the book at a glance. If they see there's an issue, they, they go, they can go to it from my diagrams. That's great. Yeah. I, guys, uh, I'm so bummed we're out of time, but yeah. David, this has been awesome. Tell everyone. Uh, so the new book is called what and comes out called, when? Um, Sinister called the sinister it's uh, coming out february 2nd if uh, you're like an arc you can email me on my website and we'll send you we'll have to send you an arc um and, and hopefully you'll give me a review on my books um right now the the one that's out right now is called the ruthless this is a great book as well um and we're happy to i'm happy to answer any questions i also do a one-hour talk on how to start a novel how to write a novel if anybody wants to get together and, and we could do a 
a Zoom or whatever. Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. We're going to put all that info up uh, yep. so everyone can uh, find you online and uh, email you. And um, got to have you come back. Yeah. Um, Happy to. Um, and uh, we'll get, I know um, as we advance through the process here, we're about to move into the point where everyone, we're going to start putting those benchmarks of X amount of pages or words per day and a deadline on uh, on getting that first draft out, um, trying to get that, folks motivated. Yeah, just get the goal it. and get it set. Yeah, Just okay. write it. Exactly it. Just write it. Just do it. That's so right. David... Thank you so much for being here. Um, and folks, uh, you can uh, get David. You'll see here is his email. And uh, you can go to the uh, website, the official website, which is dwputnam.wordpress.com. Is that right? Is that the official? DavidputnamBooks.com, right? Okay. There it is. DavidPutnamBooks.com. We'll get that up on the screen. Everyone will get it. And uh, DavidPutnamBooks.com. Check it out. And his new book will be out in February, Sinister. Uh, thanks again, David. And uh, we look forward to having you come back. Um, thanks for having me. I appreciate your time so much, David. Thank you. Your wealth of knowledge. Good, sir. Thank you. Sure. Um, you know, one of the things about David that I really uh, liked was that he's not like us because of the outline. He doesn't do it. And that's mm -hmm. amazing because, you know, you and I are structured in that. But his methodology, uh, methodology is amazing. He, he, yeah. He's got things down to scene to, I mean, three parts. I mean, all it's amazing. And how, he, I, how he, he splits off on different things in the book. Fantastic. Fantastic. I think a lot of that, um, which I, I we'll get him back and we'll go into it. I think a lot of it is because he is drawing on experiences. Um, a lot of this fiction in the book was nonfiction in his life. Uh, he lived. He lived a lot of yeah. these these things. I'm not saying that he is kidnapping children, or no. anything, which is what Bruno's no, doing. But, but but the situations and the characters, as he mentioned, they're based on real people. Real. Yeah folks that he had dealt with so i think that might play a little bit of a role in, in his style for this but also now that's just his style you know that's yeah. how he writes so and it's great i hope that everyone got something out of it um what a wealth of experience of wow that's that's terrific that should bring a lot of motivation to a lot lot of us writers a lot of us yeah well we are out of time we got to get out of here but great news next week be sure and join us again because uh the guest is uh uh, writer, director, a filmmaker. This guy started making movies when he was 18 years old. Uh, the great Rolf Konevsky is going to be with us. Um, Wait, it's going to be awesome. It's gonna be he is a fun guy. So uh, until then, I'm Craig. I'm Ted. Thanks for stopping in. <laughs> Get the writing. We'll see you next time from the trenches of Hollywood. Take care, everybody. Have a great day. Have a great week. organic organics ascension ever devised.